You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Good afternoon, Sid Talk. Good afternoon, listeners. Did you wait your 10 seconds? I did, yeah. Mm. But you weren't paying attention, so you didn't know. I always I'm wait. still ten- not paying attention. I always wait 10 seconds. At the beginning, it doesn't actually matter so much this week because uh, it got cool all of a sudden. Doesn't in, matter if I'm not paying attention. Fabulous. Yeah. Got cool all of a sudden, so we're not hot this week. So Sid talk, will um, not be saying that she's sweating. I can still sweat. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like you know, it's not like thirty degrees or anything. It's uh, seventy nine in this room, but you might think that's kind of warm for in the room. No, because it was ninety nine last time. So. Correct. <laughs> so 79 is That's quite the thing of um, not using your air conditioner. While it may be unpleasant at times, and my house doesn't smell great because it just smells like a hot house, um, is that you get to feel you're really hot and sweaty, and then as soon as it cools down, you're like, ah, there's no, it's not just neutral all the time. You're not just comfortable. You get sweaty, and then you get relief, and it's kind of exciting. Now, one- I'm not saying I'll do it every year. And we'll see at the end of the summer how much money I save. There was one day last week. Is this the before the after the show Yeah, there was was one day. It definitely is not. There was one day this week and I was sat in the living room and it was, you know, 95 in the house. Really warm. And a a storm started to roll in. It was in the afternoon and the windows were open. And all of a sudden, you just felt it. Like, it just dropped to 70. Like, outside. So all this cool air just started rolling in. It was like, oh, you know, like. And then, then the rain came, and then the rain stopped, and then it went back up to 90-something. So We now have a break from it for a few days, at least. Uh, Correct. Because it's the holiday weekend for you American people, <laughs> uh, it's going to rain <laughs> and be cold. Cool. So, uh, yeah, that will really piss on people. Dampen their bonfires. spirits. Let's tell them what the real before the after show discussion was. A disagreement between you and I. That's it. When I don't understand something, you try to give me all kinds of bullshit explanations that don't make sense to me. And you try to make out like I'm wrong because I don't get it. You are. I am not. <laughs> I don't understand something. <laughs> not understanding something isn't a negative. It means that I haven't just absorbed all the bullshit in the world and gone, Oh, okay, I will just take your word for everything and be a little sponge and soak it up. I actually still don't understand. So... That's it. We won't talk about the topic. It's not even not even that interesting. It is very interesting. It will make an excellent podcast, but it's because your explanation would not be that interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm right. <laughs> Incorrect, but it's not accurate. So it is Saturday, July the second. It's nearly my birthday. Whenever I see July the 2nd, I always think, yeah, it's nearly my birthday. You do realize, because I'm suffering without air conditioning to save money. But that doesn't mean that money is going toward your birthday rest. <laughs> well, that's not fair. I'm not that kind of wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I am saving money. I can spend mm-hmm. it on all kinds of things. Oh, yeah, it's his birthday, too. No, it's my birthday. <laughs> I will be 32 this year. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I have shoes that are 32 years old. 
I thought you were going to say size 32. I was going to say Jesus. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, um, yeah, it's not my birthday yet, but you can wish me happy birthday if you like. Thank you. Gift cards are always nice. Yes. Uh, Amazon. uh, GameStop. Don't say. We're kidding. (laughs) So it is um, after the show, number 434. And the movie we're looking at this week is the movie Green Room. It's a 2016 movie. It's released on July. uh, July the 12th. 2016, that's the day after my birthday. Gift cards are accepted. July the 16th is not the day after your birthday. July the 12th, the day after my birthday. July the 12th, 2016. (laughs) Pay attention. The movie is rated R for a realistic depiction of violence and stuff. And um, it's from our friends at Lionsgate. And Sito, give us the synopsis of the movie Green Room. Hmm. This isn't room again? We're just plain old room? The boy and the and the mother. No, no, that was a Lionsgate movie too. But <laughs> it was. Don't get it wrong. Um, well, we're gonna say that we will have some spoilers here, even though it's not really that kind of movie. Doesn't the synopsis is gonna be spoilers? It can be. Uh, a band, like kind of a raucous head rocking. They call themselves punk, but it didn't sound punk to me. Uh, that song that they said it was a dead Kennedy. So they are punk, but it wasn't punky. It was more like hardcore, like verging on death metal almost with their you know little punkish whatever it's kind of mixed up but anyway they are down on their asses basically they're on this shitty tour they're not making any money they're obviously having to like scruff it and this guy comes along and says he can get him a gig but he warns them at a time very quickly very very quickly they have some pretty right right uh views as in right or left so they're kind of like in the uh, in the skinhead world. You know, we're talking about white supremacists, basically. But you can go and And they're just like, that. they don't give a shit because they're going to make 350 bucks and he warns them what not to do, what not to sing really quickly. You know? They get there and some shit goes down that has nothing to do with them. And yet, it is now about them being trapped in the green room, which is, as we all should know if we in- enjoy entertainment, the green room is the place where entertainment acts or people on talk shows or wait on radio shows they go it's like the waiting room for the talent to go sit in so that's what they're waiting in and it's really violent and it's basically like uh yeah once you've seen some shit go down you're not you're not getting out of this alive so it is essentially what do you call it? like a, it's not a thriller because there's no he called it that but it's not we all know what's happened well, per- personally, this is one of the things I found refreshing about this film and other films that I've mentioned, I'll mention later in my um, recommendations. Um, it's almost like a horror film, but it's very based in reality. Like, it, everything that happens could happen. There's nothing fantastical about it or crazy about it. It's not like, you know, nobody's super strong or, you know, it's... The Grizzly... Well, let me... One of my movie recommendations is Eden Lake. Another movie that is not a typical horror film, but it involves horror. But it is very realistic because the antagonists are just people, not weird mutant hillbillies in the woods. They're people with everything that comes with people that is terrifying. (laughs) And these people, these supremists in this movie... I was going to say we've all known somebody like that in our time. I have. 
at college. There, yeah. there was a, I knew a few people like that who had those kind of views. And I wouldn't want to hang around with them much. <laughs> They're pretty, they were pretty scary to me. So when a bunch of people like that get together and they all, they all come from the same point of view, like this, with a leader also. You Make know. it so. We all know what happened in Germany. Um, <laughs> you know, a big war came of something like this. Like, uh, people together with a very odd... Not just Germany, a, by the way. A skewed... Well, yeah, many things. But <laughs> the a, entire world. A, a skewed view of... Well, their, well their, it's, to them, their view is perfectly fine, but... British Empire might also be slightly guilty of the same Yeah, thing. but it... Um, the power in the numbers and, like in this movie, the, their leader is very... We don't even know. We have no clue what his point of view is on anything. He never, ever says, except for one line, about something racial. Every, there is never any other. Yeah, he, he doesn't d- preach it. He doesn't say it. Nothing. You don't know what he their He does whole- say to the, to the whole group, this is not a party. This yeah. This is a movement. It's a movement, but he doesn't yeah. say anything. We but, I mean, it's know. clear what... That's to me, not, it's clear. It's not clear because oh, we only see bits and pieces. So we don't know. I mean, he he even gives them the red laces is a famous yeah. thing among skinheads. He he's even handing the red laces out as as awards to people. So to me, I've never know, heard of the red laces. Yeah, it's a it's a it's there's a hierarchy in the in the skinhead movement. It all sounds so stupid. It is pretty stupid. I mean, I mean seriously, to me and you, it's stupid. But I mean, any of that kind of thing. But regardless of your movement. It all sounds really like children. It's like football hooligans, but like... Bad news. Yeah, but racist version. But we don't ever get... It's not about their movement or no. about what they're planning or anything. It's just that uh, unfortunate that in this one night, at this one... When they got a band playing Shit's and some shit place. went down that was bad and this band happens to see something they shouldn't see. And uh, basically, they've got to go. And everyone else, it's just a big trap in order to get rid of them. And so, that's what it's all about, really. It's just escaping Jason Voorhees. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's all it is. It it comes across as like a horror movie to me. Like, he said it was a thriller. But no, I I feel like it's a horror movie. Because it is grisly and violent, like, like a hostel. You know, you see wounds that are just disgusting. You see horrible shootings and... Machete wounds and stabbings. Uh, there's a lot of that. It's pretty gruesome. And just, it makes you want to go, it makes you kind of wince a lot. Because it is the way it's filmed. Um, but it is a horror at, at heart. Because the way it's kind of set up, which is what I really liked about it, is it, it, it feels really claustrophobic, obviously, because it's just in this one, lo- this room. And, parts around this room. It doesn't really leave this area very much. Um, so you feel trapped. Kind of like in Hostel, to be honest. You feel trapped in this place. You know that it's not good to be there. You know the part where they kind of got out of a door and they were walking down a thing and and like they're just a, a band. They don't know anything <laughs> about combat. <laughs> and they're all just walking and it goes, should we what do we do? Do we try and leave? Or like they, they've no idea these people like how to handle what is happening. And me and you, no idea. We That's would have one of no the things I really liked it about it. It felt real. But there wasn't any pretend. Nobody like turned I'm into a, a hero. Suit. The only one who kind of got tough, but then you kind of got the vibe. This guy, he's already kind of built. He's in the band. He's already kind of muscular. Yeah, so a bit hyped up. He's probably, somebody even calls him um, Taekwondo or something like that. Yeah. As if 
it's a thing with him that he does martial arts and he does like survival training or something. You you aren't told that. He's a bit feisty, like he leaps at some And guy. he's muscular, yeah. where the other band guys are all scrawny and sort of like, you know, but band he people. so he kind of took on the role of being the muscle and that made sense. Everybody else is just like, What the f how do you And then eventually it turns into let's just pretend we know what we're doing, essentially. When, you know, we get to a school. Yeah, that is, that's what I'm saying. It's all very realistic. I was thinking, when they, they first get out of this room and they start walking down the corridor and they don't know how many people are there, what is in the next room even, they don't know what is... So they all look like they're shitting themselves, which is realistic. And then further on in the film, nobody really gets a clue because how would you? You've never killed anybody. You don't know what the hell... You don't know how to handle a weapon. You don't know... So... The main guy, Anton Yelchin, when he's just swinging a, a machete around, making a noise just because that sounds threatening. Like, it's something that I would, was thinking, yeah, that is something you'd do. Like, you want to make it seem like you're dangerous, but you're not, are you? You're shitting yourself in the corner with the machete. Like, so it all felt real. It didn't feel like somebody suddenly became a superhero. Even towards the end of the movie, where there's some characters left and they... Um, a bit more tooled up. They still don't feel like that. Well, to me, it felt like they could die at any second because they're just in. They just, you know. Yeah, and it's not the kind of movie that leads you to believe a hundred percent one thing or another. Yeah, like when you're watching a slasher movie. Like I just watched all the Chucky movies last week, minus the two middle ones. Lucky you. Actually, I didn't hate them, so there you go. I'll have to watch the other two now, just to fill in the gaps. But um, you understand, if you've watched enough movies and you've read enough books and you've you know done, done enough entertaining of yourself over your lifetime, that the bad guys generally lose and the good guys will come out on top. And then the twist is often that something else happens where all the good guys die or the bad guy comes back to life in the end. But that's kind of the, the gist. In this one, I actually had moments where I was like, I, I I, do not know where this is. You know, the logical way would be if the white supremacists squashed it, kept on going, everything was cool, and in the end we see this, like, we're back on track. Or it also would make sense if the band just ripped them, ripped them to shreds somehow. Or just escaped somehow. Somehow yeah. got... Got one over on them, yeah. and or destroyed them. So it made sense. Either of that made sense. It wasn't like I was on a straight line to oh they're gonna get rescued, or all of them but one's gonna die, or they're gonna kill everybody except the bet the Jean Luc Picard, <laughs> which we haven't even mentioned yet. My Jean Luc and my sad little yeah Jean uh, Patrick Stewart is the head of this. And my sad Chekhov. This um, yeah. I'm a Star Trek person, so. Sadly. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, this movie uh, is surprising, I think, as well. Like, uh, I don't think it follows... It's not super predictable, because I didn't actually know where it was going. And where it actually does go at the end, I was like, really? I, I thought it might have gone the opposite way. Or I thought it might have... Because some of it's also still a question mark. Yeah. You know? We're going to need the police. It's kind of like, I don't... That reminded me a bit. I don't know for sure which way yeah. he will... He could say, band. He could say, white supremacists. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, he could say anything. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that guy had a bit of a turnaround, though, during the movie. I don't think it was during the movie. I mean, he he he, he was already having yep. a turnaround and, you know... He, he was just trying to play things yeah. as they come. Like, because, he was just scared of Because you find out, along, there are little twisty things and you're like, oh, right. One of the things we all have probably heard about gangs and white supremacists or hardcore groups, like massive cults and shit like that, if you want out... There's only one way out. They're going to kill you. Oh, if you want yeah. out, you're not getting out. Yeah, so that's no... also threaded in here a little bit. That, of course, in any... Again, another thing you learn if you watch enough movies or read enough stories, read enough comics, that as bad as the bad guys are, that somebody in that group of villains is going to turn. Like somebody Always, in yeah. almost every... He you know, Or you're just going to have somebody who's incompetent. Or you're going to have somebody who's... Not going to follow orders or somebody who all the time has been scheming against the bad guys. You don't know it, but it's going to play to your advantage somehow. Like, that's almost always a thing. In the, or there's a woman who comes along and, like, helps to destroy the bad guys. So, you know, there was that, too. There was a few question marks. Yeah. Because when he said, no, 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 not her, not her, we don't know why. No. Never explained. So I like that. It makes you go like, whoa, something else is going yeah, on. Yeah, something's here I, going on. Yeah. And the 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 thing about the Patrick Stewart character, he's just he's very calm and casual about the whole thing. And it's almost like this thing has happened so many times yep. and this is how we always deal with it. We're and the cleanup. He still crew. sees the big picture. Yeah. We are in a movement and this little kick up is just This a is this is a thing that we um gloss over. Uh, we even tell the police that something happened, but we kind of stage it in a way so it doesn't look like it's anything to do with us. Correct. Uh, and they go to some extremes, these skinhead dudes, to lie to the police. Um, that scene was like, I was like, wow, yeah, they're stabbing each other. Yeah. <laughs> just just uh, you take the stabbing. Like, oh, somebody's been on the phone to tell the police somebody was stabbed. Okay, so... The person who was stabbed... Because he said, forget, do we have two believer? Do we have a true believer? And he goes, well, we've got two of them. So, so they bring two young twins. dudes. Yeah. So one, one stabs twin. the other just for cover-up's sake. Right. So they're real hard bastards. So it's like... It, it, there's, there's Is it thing. really worth it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is the thing that you think you believe in really worth it? So, yeah. They, Why do you have a hammer under your desk, by the way? I just noticed that. I was using it for something. <laughs> when... What was I using it for? <laughs> off topic, off topic. But I, re I, just, I really don't know. I spy but... the end of a hammer laying under your desk. We don't do a lot of hammer. Oh, so I know yeah. what I was using it for. My drawer in my desk broke and I had to <laughs> hammer the rail straight, <laughs> you know, on a, on a yeah. desk drawer. And I fixed it. Uh, so, yeah, Fair off topic. Um, we use I use a hammer for that and people in this movie probably use a hammer for <sighs> something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I really liked a movie where the antagonist in this movie is something that is realistic and not a monster or a weird serial killer that There's is super supernatural. There's nothing like Nobody's mystical. super strong. No. no, they're just people with guns and knives, mostly knives. Well, let's just say they're assholes. Machetes and shotguns. Yeah, and and obviously they're assholes. Um but yeah, it is it is a uh, dark, bleak effed up movie. It's not a feel-good movie in any way, I don't think. No. There's not even moments of, oh, wow, this is going, this is all good now. Our heroes are arising. It's not really that kind of movie. You never think, you never feel that somebody is going to outdo the other people. 
it always feels gloomy and somebody's going to die. So, moving on to the cast, Anton Yelchin plays Pat. He's like the guitarist of the band. Bass player, I believe. Uh, what did you think of it? He did a good job. And it's obviously sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The elephant in the room is he died recently. And this was his last movie that he did. Well, Star Trek was the last one he did, but this was done last year. But that one will come Another Star Trek will come out within a minute? Yeah, the new one that's just about mm. to come out. So, um... That was good. I thought he did. What, what I liked about him, and the rest of the cast, even, the band people, is that there is... I mean, as an adult, I look at these 20-somethings, I look at them just... Uh, you know. I admire people who have a craft, like music, or art, or they're a writer, and they live sort of like for that thing, and so therefore they don't seem very responsible... They don't seem very, they don't have their shit together. And these all just look like a bunch of sort of lazy, they siphon gas out of other people's cars. They've not got their shit together. Yeah, but they're also not taking any responsibilities in life. They're just immature little kids banging around with their... Rock and roll is the life. Exactly, right. So that's your view. And then they get put in this horrible situation so they don't instantly grow up he no. has moments where it's like he's a boy like in he's his naive mind, too like super he's naive. just a whatever you're a 20 something year old and he says he gets all kind of panicky and he says like okay well, well all right then you know and there's that like and you can sympathize with a guy or a girl who's in this situation and you're this close to being a kid that it's impossible to be a grown up and so I felt like that was really well portrayed, that they never, ever fully got the the blondie girl. She was more toughened up, I think, because obviously she's been Living on the that, skinhead side, yeah. like, unfortunately uh, roughed up, roughed her up a lot. So she had a more edge to her. But the others, I, I love that they, they didn't hold, they had, like, light bulbs for weapons and pieces of metal off the ceiling, and they didn't hold them like, yeah, it wasn't like Ripley becomes, you know, superhero all of a sudden. It's like Ripley from Alien. It is like, no matter what, by the end of this, they're still going to be, like, fucked up 20-somethings that have had to deal with a really bad thing. And I think they all did that. They didn't ever take on that, like, there wasn't the hero moment ever. It wasn't no, like he that's looked what up out the top of his eyes and you knew he was about to conquer. It was none of that. And I mean, I there was, like was, there was kind of a hint at a hero moment, which it was It was really a... Um, there's a bit where he shaves his head, yeah. let's say. And that, in any other movie, that would be a moment where, okay, now this is where he gets badass and kills everybody. Right. But this movie doesn't do that, which I was really appreciate because when he did shave his head, and I thought, oh, this is just going exactly where most movies would go. They're going to defeat this entire thing themselves all of a sudden for no reason. Like, it's just how the movie's going to be. You know, because audiences like to cheer for the hero. But because it didn't do that, I think that's what makes this better. I mean, yes, oh, they, I do, yes they, do, they do fend for themselves and fight, but it, none of it is expert. None of it is expert. I mean, when they're trying to fool the guy with her up her up above and him down below, it's all random. Like, it's like, oh, yeah. fuck, it doesn't really work properly, what they're doing. It, it's just like, you know, what can we do? Like, we have to scare him, they're he comes pretending. this way. pretending. Yeah. And so you have to think, where would I get any information about surviving? I would have to think about movies and TV shows. Yeah. I would I have to think of every time that... You know, the A-team escaped with their lives, and every time that 
somebody plotted or planned something in a movie and rose up against the bad guys, that would be my training. I have, there's nothing in my life, really, that would get me prepared for anything like this. Uh, one of the... I'd have to think about that. I'd have to think about this movie. Oh God, the light bulb, the whole, the thing. Oh yeah. One of the things. Lay inside the couch under a, the cushions, you know. Uh, Sam. Because she, everybody's super naive, but Sam thought that having a fire extinguisher would help her. Like it she, did. It did help her, but she thought that it, she, she picked it up and she was holding it like a gun. Like, yeah. this is my thing. I've got a fire <laughs> extinguisher. Um, it did help It us. just showed the naive of ev- the naivety of everybody. You've got a fire extinguisher. They've got shotguns. It's not really an even match. <laughs> so it's, you uh, know. It helped her. Yeah, it helped, but I'm saying, like, it's just this, you know. <laughs> when he's talking, when they're locked in the green room and Patrick Stewart's outside and he's asking, he basically wants the gun back. There's a gun in their room. That's when you see Anton Yelchin's character be like just a boy, just yep. like okay, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, he just kind of. We don't really know what else. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We, we're in here and you're out there, and like, will this solve the problem? Are the police coming? Like it's so naive. Like it's, um. So yeah, Anton Yelchin I thought was really good. I mean, I'm not really familiar with his work apart from Star Trek. I don't really know him. But I did think he did a good job here. Imogen Poots plays Amber. She's like the blonde, skinhead-type chick. What did you think of her? Oh, she was good. Yeah, she's like... She turns... You know, she she has to... Not that she has to toughen up, because she's already tough because she's lived with these skinheads for X amount of... However, we don't know how long. But she knows them. She knows what they do. She knows their secret things, like when she has to, when she's kind of looking through the vent on, to see them come in and she sees the red shoelaces and she's yep. like, they're just here to kill us. That's what that means. They don't send in the red people, the red shoelace skinheads, unless some shit's going down. So she, all she needed to see was that to know that it was a bad situation. So she has some inside information about the whole thing. She knows about, they've got dogs. There's a lot of dog violence in this movie. Dog on human violence. Um, but yeah, she's tough. I liked her. I just, like I said to you, I don't know if she had a wig what on. A coward's way out. To use dogs as your weapon. I mean, what if a fucking loser uses another creature to do their dirty work for them? Like, it's just... You know, that's probably a real thing and somewhere in real life. And that just seems so weak. Like, yeah. if you're going to do it, then... Grow a vagina and be tough enough to do it yourself. You don't see many films where dogs attack people, really. So it was kind of like vicious when the dogs were ripping them apart. Like I was like, "Oh shit!" What kind of dogs were those, by the way? Are those are those Dobermans? Or, no, look like Dobermans. Not Dobermans. Those are those. They're big like Rottweilers, maybe. Rottweilers. Yeah, I'm not that, sure. I, that, I think they're Rottweilers. Yeah, just like those little scrappy little fuckers that will just savage you. They weren't scrappy. A little. No, I mean scrappy, like they're just like, like they just going. I mean, those are scrappy. I did keep thinking though. No, not that small, but I did keep thinking like a bulldog size. Like I, I did. Maybe they were bulldogs. No, I don't think so. But I did think it, well, when <laughs> I kept thinking, I can't see savage dogs in movies like that without thinking. In a you know, on set there in a second, that dog is like sweet, a sweetheart, right? Yeah. And that dog's gonna be having his little biscuits at the side and. Everybody's going to be stroking him. I can never think of a savage dog in a movie without thinking of, oh, yeah, you know, that's the sweetest dog in the world. Everybody loves it. I don't know, though. 
They showed him the guy who trained him um, behind the scenes. They're I mean, really attacking them. They play, don't they? Kind I don't of know. Hardcore. So um, Imogen Pooch, yeah, I, I did like her, but I, like I said to you, I don't know if she had a wig on, but it kept bugging me. It was like a, I don't know. Alia Shawcat plays Sam. What did you think of her? Yeah, I like her a lot. Yeah, I mean, she was, but when I look at her, she looks just like one of my sisters. So I always think I like her. Oh, she's kind of a scrappy little like. Like got you know an attitude and when she's but in not, the band, but again not like no. Ripley but then when it comes to down to shit happening, she tries to handle herself. Yeah, but she's super like it, she's not prepared for any of this, and you can see she's shitting herself. That's what I like. Like the ones who looked like they were shitting themselves, but then there was the main the main guy of the band, the lead singer, who was trying to be a hard man, but even he was yeah. wavering at times. But these lot, the three others, they were like. Shitting themselves, like I Helpless. would be in that situation. <laughs> um, but she was good, yeah. Macon Blair plays Gabe. Now he, he, Gabe is like, I like him. I really like the actor Macon Blair. He, he's like the guy. He's the manager. Well, he ha- he manages it. He seems to manage the operation, doesn't he? Underneath, yeah. Mr. Patrick Stewart. Yeah. And he's the guy who's having a bit of a waiver um, of uh, why am I doing this? Uh, I'm almost, almost my job involves being bullied. Like, I'm just being bullied into this. Like, everything I do here, Patrick Stewart wants. And I don't agree with most of it, but everything I do have to do. Like, I have to manage the bands. I have to, if somebody gets stabbed in a room, I have to sort that out. The whole thing. So he's having this waiver all the way through. I don't think so. I think he's done waving. Yeah, but I mean, no, I think we, he's I think, looking for the moment where he can get out. I think like, we've met him at a time when he's already over it. He's just in But he's so scared he's not mode. staying. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, he's still staying. He, but we don't know, though. Also, that's a question mark, because we don't know, in the end, what is what he's going to say. Yeah, I don't yeah, spoil truly, anything, truly, but truly, we're, truly. we're led to believe that he's, gone that he's done. Yeah. And so he's going to eventually assist. What and like maybe because the whole deal is again spoilers that this group of skinheads are going to frame the band for all the shit that's going down. So they're setting up a fake crime scene and all this kind of stuff. So in the end, this guy has an opportunity, and he says, "I want to, I, I want to go to jail." Now that sounds weird, but he's prepared. But you, and then he goes, gets free, but you don't know if he's gonna go say. Look what this band just did to all my people, or if he's gonna say, "Look what these skinheads just did to this band." Yeah. We still don't know. No, you, you try I mean to... it could go either way, yeah, but exactly. they were hinting main. They were hinting mostly at the other way. I don't know though. A good way because he could also be vying for Jean Luc Picard's position. There's no Jean Luc Picard in this movie. He could be vying for his position. Darcy, Jean Luc Picard. No matter what he ever does, even when he's on American Dead. So Patrick Stewart on... plays Darcy, the leader of the uh, <laughs> the skinheads. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not like over the top, he's got a swastika tattooed into his head kind of guy. It's more, he's subtle. Yeah, if he went down to the cafe to have a cup of he coffee, you would never know. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't he still know. still has British accent, which I find very interesting. Yeah, they he just didn't keep lose it. it. They yep. just keep it. Didn't yeah. lose it. Yeah, they don't make him... By the way, this takes place in America. It's not a British film, it's an American... Don't, where, where was it exactly? He said where it was. I remember. When the guy was telling them where he, where they had to go. At the beginning, you know, to um, go f- and mm. be there. But anyway, um, yeah, he's, he's just a British 
guy. Yeah, and he would fit in anyway. He doesn't look he doesn't look particularly menacing to be honest. He just look middle aged dude, a bit older than a middle aged dude, uh, in normal civvy clothes. He's not in like a SS outfit like some of those people are, and he's just in charge. And you can tell he's in charge, and everybody does what he says. In fact, he's like he's one of those charismatic leaders, I guess. So, what did you think of him? Did you find him scary? Did you find him intimidating? Find him, um, Not- he's just like because you know his end game is the skinhead thing. Like you know that. Yeah. You know his end game is something. He makes only one or two racial comments, so you know inside of him is this volcano of hatred and white supremacy and whatever. You don't know his plan. But he even says, like you said, it's not a party, it's a movement. So he has a long-term plan here. And it's hinted at without the words that, you know, we're going to do a racial warring, we're going to, you know, get the races and whatever. So all of that is intimidating and scary. But he's so organized that you feel like he is a bigger threat than just, to me anyway, because if he were to go and get on the city council, no one would know that he's what he is. That's exactly why he's scary, isn't it? Exactly. That is what's scary to me. Now, there are times when all the people had mumbly moments, including him. But I'm finding that more and more in movies, which makes me want to just punch the director Actually, in the face. Um, I don't like it. It's funny that you say that. I didn't notice it, but I went on IMDb. <laughs> and the first mess- the first in the message was, the first post was, why... Do so many people mumble yeah. in today's movies? Yeah, it's con- it's like a really and bad then, chronic And then problem. somebody said it's men are the problem because women are not guilty of it. That's true. It's yeah. the men. And uh, and then the somebody the, thinks it's a stylistic choice. I find it really annoying. The first answer to the the first person who replied was blame Marlon Brando. <laughs> So, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Sometimes it's accents, but in this movie, it isn't because no. everybody's American apart from Patrick Stewart. But um, it was a complaint that I read. So, apparently, there was one conversation that somebody, some guy, said he, he listened to it five times, couldn't understand what it said, turned the subtitles on, and said, "Oh, really? They said that." I wanted to turn the yeah. subtitles on, but I knew that you wouldn't, because there was probably a third of the things in the whole movie oh, I did really? not know. Oh, really? That much? Yeah. No. There were whole scenes when I was like, what the fuck is- I have no idea what this whole exchange is. I'll just have to take it on context, because it was like... <laughs> oh, there was... Yeah, I, there were... To be honest, there were like one or two scenes where I didn't 100% catch what they were saying, and you know why? Uh, they He has a tendency... Um, Mr. Patrick Stewart. It's not Patrick Stewart's fault, really. But the scenes where he's talking, he's giving information to his men, are from behind his head while he's walking. He's walking towards a van at one point, telling them stuff, and it's really hard to tell what he's saying because you can't see his face, and you and it's kind of underneath everything else. So yeah, there was there was a moment of that. But yeah, yeah. mine was like a couple of whole instances where there was like. Somebody's telling somebody what to do, and we're new to this, blah, 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 and there's a bunch of, like, jargon that they're using, and I was just like, whatever. You can blame, like, some acting style. It's like a people say, like, oh, You can pe- blame the director, because he's sitting right there listening to it, and he listens back, and he doesn't tell them to do it again. People, you know, I, I feel it's like a, oh, people really talk like this? Who cares if you can't understand them? That's how they talk. But, yeah, I... I I, I know what you mean. It's not just this movie. There's movies and TV shows in general Correct. where that happens. So, um, directed by Jeremy Saunier. 
He did Murder Party and Blue Ruin. I don't know either of them. Murder Party is a slasher kind of movie that's kind of a comedy, I, I was reading, and Blue Ruin's a more serious kind of vigilante movie. And the reason he is a deal is he won some awards at Cannes and uh, Sundance with these other two, Blue Ruin particularly. Um, and what he said about this one, Green Room, is... He's been offered movies, this this director, in the big time, i.e. in a big studio. But before he goes off and does that, because he really does want to do that, because now he's got a name for himself, he wanted to make this movie because he knew that once he'd got into that big studio thing, there's no way he could make a film like this any, anymore. Like True. a really grim, you know, balls-to-the-wall kind of movie. So this was his, his... He said in the interview I was reading, his farewell to independent movies and... Now he's going off to make big movies. Um, so yeah, this is... I thought it was a well-directed movie. Obviously, there's not a huge budget for this movie, I don't think. But the actual effects for the gore and the shooting people and stuff were all spot on, I thought. In fact, it was so grisly sometimes that I had to go, oh, there's one moment where there's a big moment where somebody gets shot, which I didn't... It came from nowhere, like... And I was like, holy shit remember that yep. scene that was a, a moment you where you even said holy shit <laughs> yeah like like it's it came at the moment where i was like oh my god like it, the movie kind of slowed down a bit to tell to kind of do some exposition and stuff and then this happened i was like holy shit <laughs> so the, the direction was quite quite good i thought it was um claustrophobic feeling when it had to be and then towards the end of the movie it opened up a bit i thought uh but that's you know the cinematography stuff what did you think of this director I like that he's not afraid to be, like, um, a little bit independent. I mean, he comes from major independent right. roots. Like, his other two movies were very small, cheap movies. You can see that. I think it's mostly the look of it that feels that is independent to me. Like, like it's it functional, it feels. Like, like it's... like. It, Yes, it's not all dressed up, no. it's not all glossied up, and yet the problem I have, and that may be cinematographer and his art director, set director, and then ultimately the editor, because they have to filter the whole thing to make it all look as gloomy as the It has kind of a green shot. filter on it, hence green room, all of it. They but made that it look... becomes too much, I yeah. think. It can't all be... There's moments when it's literally like you think, I need to turn the brightness up on this, and it's not functional. It doesn't make sense that you can't see the thing that you need to be looking at. Uh, I, I believe, Whereas it, I believe sometimes later, it's to hide, um, you know, the no, dogs this, attacking. No, this wasn't that at all. It yeah. was a scene where Yelchin is looking at everybody and it's so dark, but it's morning and it's daytime. But they've done something to make it so you can't see the expression on his face hardly. That's the kind of stuff that just seems a little amateurish or trying to be stylistic, but it doesn't work. And to make the whole thing all dreary doesn't make sense because they wanted you, they're talking like film school people now, like, well, we wanted it to be open in the beginning, like you even kind of fall for it, no offense. But it's not. It's all claustrophobic. From the moment we meet them, they're laying in a van in the middle of a cornfield. There's not much more things that are more claustrophobic than standing in the middle of a cornfield and you don't know where the fuck you are. You don't know how to get out. All you can do is look up and see the sky. They're in this, what probably is a stinky van, you know, 
So then you get a shot of them riding their little bike to go steal some gas, and it's just a single shot, a very close shot. That's all shot. the independent feelings. I know, but I'm me. saying it's not open at all. And it's all gray, and it's all dingy. And then we see the extras, and you see that it's a nice sunny day, and you see the green of the corn. And yeah, you it's see... been color graded to help. Right, so it doesn't make sense to then try to claim that when you try to go from this open air world to closing it up, what you should do is stick with the bright colors and the crispy edges, and then slowly take that away until you're in the green room, which is dingy and it's got graffiti everywhere, and it probably stinks of cigarette, and it's probably Piss. sex and piss and blood and whatever, <laughs> drugs and vomit and whatever else, so that you've gone on a journey to get stuck here. But they start you where you're stuck in a shitty little apartment, in a shitty little van, and that's it. Like, there's no, there's never an opening up, even when they go out. I, I think that's So I think for them saying it, it doesn't convince though. me. No, it makes it less effective, because it... The part where they're really trapped and really in danger needed to be in sharp contrast to the moments of the beginning and end when things are either better or looking up. And they weren't at all. It was all dulled down. So that was maybe my only complaint. And again, I don't know if that's directing or if that's editing. They all seem like a tight-knit group. So the editor, the it, well, art director, yeah, they may not be is done at an editing level, right? So... It's either the editor or the director telling the editor exactly. to make it group, make it less light, light, you know. And it doesn't make full sense, so they can't convince me because I'm the one that sits. It there is an, it. it is another trend in films. At the, it has been over the last few years. I've noticed adding that color grade into films where it make, and then when you watch the extras and you see it being filmed, you go, "Holy shit, that looks like a different." What they can do now with film is you can film it in the daytime and make it look like the nighttime. No problem, like, without even you questioning it. It just looks... You want the golden hour? Well, film it at six in the morning. We'll make it look like a golden hour. It just We can just do that with, you know, digital photography. Uh, so, yeah, this has a lot of color grading. It is very green. Like, there was times where I was like, that is like the Matrix. That looks like the Matrix. But green room is the theme, and, you know, the place is green. So, um... In conclusion, what did you think of Green Room? Now, I liked it. It isn't the best movie in I the world. I guess you're not asking me. You're just giving your opinion. <laughs> I'm doing mine, then you're doing this. <laughs> I liked it. I, didn't, I don't think it's the best film ever. I think it's a, a well-executed horror slash thriller that does what it sets out to do, which is unnerve you. And I was always like, what are they going to do here? I, I couldn't, can't think of a scenario myself. I can't think of a way out of this situation. And, you know, do they find a way out of the situation or not? Maybe they don't. You know, that's what, all the time I kept thinking. I don't think they're going to find a way out of this because what are the odds of you getting out of this place? <laughs> very, very low. <laughs> so um, it worked on that level for me. And it also worked on the level of being a horror film that's not stereotypical of a horror film. Um so I did enjoy it. I just feel it's, you know, it's in the in the middle of movie scale for me, whatever scale I would have. I think it's above average, as in it's ambitious to really pull off that visceral, like, uh, at some point, I felt, I felt, once we're in the trapped situation, and while I might have dealt with something different, I'm still befuddled about what I would do, and I felt in my gut, sense of real danger like there are humans in the world right this minute 
who are probably right up... I mean, we have hostage situations and people being shot and situations where people are in war-torn areas and kidnapped and... In that moment, a human, I have no idea how to identify with that whatsoever, in real life, but watching a movie sitting comfortably in my chair, if even, like, like an atom-sized amount of that enters my belly where I'm like, oh my god, like, I just, I feel hopeless right now. I feel like I couldn't talk these guys out of this. I can't reason with these people. They're impossible. There's no, like, weakness that they have. I am fucked. And I felt that. Yeah. Even when That's they started trying to get their little weapons and they tried to figure out shit, I felt like you're actually trapped. It's and... not stereotypical like other films of this way out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where you you now see their path to get out, and yeah. so now you just got to stick with them and see who ends up alive at the end or anything. So I felt that, and I think that is pretty good storytelling. You know, the combination yeah. of the look of it and the oh, people. Also, and... the scenario's not often used. Well, it's used a lot. I mean, a band and... I know, but the situation is the same in most of these And it makes sense that a band would go and... Perf- a punk band would go and perform. F- for... I don't know that. I think that if you're actually going to one of these situations, you're being vetted very carefully before you ever, ever get there. So I don't know about that. Because you could be the FBI. Yeah. You could be a bunch of... FBI agents who have been trained to be this punk band and you're going to infiltrate the white supremacist groups by showing up and playing at their venues and then coming back. I mean, as the white supremacists, you have to be prepared. So I don't think that that is going to happen very well. I mean, I, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but like right. I couldn't just show up and go, hey, everybody, can I come and uh, make you a birthday banner for your white supremacist party? I, Instantly, I, I promise I won't put too many swastikas on it, <laughs> and I promise I put zero swastika, and I promise I won't tell the police what you're doing. So it's okay. All right, so uh, yeah, <clears throat> I recommend it if you like a good. It is not for the faint-hearted though. It is pretty gruesome. So thanks to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, you can enter a contest. We've got a few coming up this week. You can win a copy of Terence Malick's new film. What's it called? Knight of Cups. I do not know. You can also win... Uh, Speaking Jam- of cups, I just ordered a bunch of cups. You can also win James Franco's new movie, uh, The Adderall Diaries, um, based on the book. You can uh, win those this week. Just go to com and win them. Next week's Blu-ray review will be the third in the Divergent series of movies, Allegiant. We'll be looking at that next week. Uh, the third and... Not the third and final, because they split the... Like the Hunger Games, they've uh. split the final movie into two movies. Because that is the thing to do. So we'll be looking at Allegiant next week. Movie recommendations I am going with on the basis of Green Room, which is about skinheads and stuff like that. Eden Lake. It's a British horror movie. stars Michael Fassbender. And uh, it's from before Michael Fassbender was actually really famous. I don't know if skinheads would even claim those guys. No, I'm saying I'm not They're saying I'm not saying that. They're just thugs, yeah. chavs. I would I mean, say. I'm giving them a lot of credit here, but but still, the reason I based the reason I chose Eden Lake is they are antagonists that are very realistic because they're basically kids off a council estate who are just little shits. Um, and what hap- what transpires is totally function feasible to me. Because there are fucked up people who all stick together in a big group and what they do is what they do and Eden Lake shows you that. 
and the ending of Eden Lake, if you remember. Yeah. That even that ending is almost perfect for me. It's like, yeah, people stick together. Perfect. Yeah. Horrific. I mean, horrific, but perfect because it makes complete sense. Because, like these people, they stick together doing their thing, and whatever happens outside of that, they will put under the rug. So yeah, um, Eden Lake, a great horror film. You really should see it. And my other one is This Is England. It is a movie, and it's also a TV show. Well, it actually was a TV show for three seasons. Um, but This Is England, the movie itself, is about a young boy who is brought up, basically, in a skinhead environment. And the whole thing is, like, how this young boy kind of grows up within it. And he doesn't whether- really. Yeah, he does in the movie. I mean, in the movie, he's, he's a well, rat. he's influenced by the guys outside. He's not in his family or anything. No, it's no, just- I mean, it's his skinhead family. Not no. his family. His yeah, his mother. Nobody like that. No, it's just it, that like, the gang. That like he hangs his best with. friend. Like like they're a, they're a unit. He's a young boy. The the you know the Nazi racist dude takes him under his wing and he admires him in a way. But it's about how he grows up within this hateful environment, yet kind of sheds the hatefulness over time. Like so, it's really really good. This is England, um, and the TV show is as good as the movies, if not better. As the movie, if not better. So you should check that out. This is England. You can The movie's from, what, 20 years ago, probably. So what are yours? Mine are. As we know, I'm going through the list of all the movies I've ever seen I'm trying to keep track of, and we are into the bees now. So we'll be doing this for a few years. But I am up to Back to the Future, all of them. Backdraft. Which I don't know if it'd be good anymore, but at the time, obviously. It was great at the time because the fire effects were just like insane, yeah. yeah. It was like you've never seen anything right? like it. Yeah. Robert De Niro. Yeah. I mean, was in it. Robert Howard directed it. Um, Ron Howard. I said Ron Howard. You said Robin Howard just then. I don't know why. No, I did. I said Ron Howard. Okay. You listen to the playback viewers? I will. It's, uh, I said Ron Howard. Uh, backdrop. Then we have Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2. Bad Company. Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2 are really, really great. They're not. Silly cop, buddy cop movies. They're not great. No, Bad Boys 2, right, are some of the best action sequences I have seen, yet it is like a comedy film. But the action sequences are like nothing else. Like when the when the, the car chase along the With freeway. With the corpse? Yeah. It has some really excellent action sequences, but it's Michael Bay, so people are probably going to shit on it. All right. So we've got Backdraft, Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, Bad Company. Bad Lieutenant and Bad News Bears. Bad Lieutenant? Both Bad News Bears. If, uh, as in, that, <laughs> I see, bad Lieutenant has some excellent... Like, like nothing you've ever oh, seen. Bad Company? Bad Company is also Will Smith, I believe. And uh, it, I think it might be a Michael Bay film. I must have seen it. Yeah. Bad Company. <laughs> I, can, I can't I, claim I, it. I can see I the cover of it. I can see the cover of it. I think it might be Michael Bay. Or, no, not Michael Bay. Ridley Scott. Nope. Possibly. And Anthony Hopkins is in it. You are correct. Yeah. And Chris, Chris Rock. Rock. Yeah. yeah. Is it Michael? Is it who's directed it? Jo- Joel Schumacher. Oh, Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's all right. It's pretty forgettable. It's of its time. If you watch it now, it's probably pretty hokey. Um, ah, here's the tagline: Two mismatched partners, one messed up case. Sounds like bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> And let's see, I think that was it for my recommendations. Uh, yeah, back, 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 bad, 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 bad. That's how it goes when you do an alphabetical list of your movies. 
All right, games <clears throat> and a Scully stuff this week. I've been playing more Overwatch. They added a patch to Overwatch this week, which I find interesting. Before, it only had a quick play mode, so you could just play random people and just have some fun. But now they've added the competitive mode. And what the competitive mode comprises of is it comprises of seasons. Season 1 has started now. And what happens is, and I found this really cool, you play 10 matches of competitive Overwatch. And they're called the um, like starter matches. You don't get scored for them or anything, but you just play these 10 matches and the Overwatch algorithm looks at the 10 matches that you've played and everything that you did in those matches, whether you won, lost, how many people you killed, how many saves you did for the team, and then it, it rates you on a scale of 1 to 100 after the 10 matches. And that's where it puts you in the league for that month. And then your, your, your idea is to work your way up the league to get the highest spot in the league as possible. And when the league is over, it looks at your final score and says, this is the prize we're going to give you for doing that well in the league that month. If you've played Hearthstone, they have a very similar, obviously it's by Blizzard, very similar thing. Now, it makes you want to keep playing because you want to just climb a little bit more on that ladder. Uh, I've been going down on that ladder every time I play. <laughs> I think I've lost two spots this so far. But it's really fun to have a competitive mode because... Um, it's something to work for. You get rewards in the game. You, you can unlock these new pieces of uh, weapons and stuff that are only available in the competitive mode. At the end of each season, if you've got enough points, you get uh, gold weapons. It's kind of a cool thing to aim for. But um, what I've found, and this is not a joke at all, <laughs> is you've got the quick play mode, which is fun. Everybody's having a laugh. When you go and play in the competitive mode, I... So I, you should do this. Turn off voice chat completely. You don't want to listen to it. You don't want to be involved in it. Because all it is, is people yelling at possibly you and everybody else, though. But you'll probably get yelled at by some kid. Usually young kids, you can tell. Like 12-year-olds. They'll be yelling at you that you're not doing it properly. You're not doing it right. Change the character. You're not playing the right character. Oh, you're playing that character, but you're playing... You're shooting from afar, you're supposed to be in there shooting. You know, you're doing it wrong. You're always doing it wrong. So don't listen to the people. Play it the way you play it. You'll find a way to play it that's successful. Don't listen to people telling you what to do. It's really annoying to me as well. Like, I always turn chat off. And you know, like this text chat, because it's on the PC that I play it. I turn the text window off as well. So there is no communication with me. So if you're on my team, I'm just doing what I want. <laughs> I'm so, not your puppet. I will help. If I see things going down, I'll help. But I am not responding to people telling me to change my character. So don't, if you play a competitive mode, turn off the chat, turn off and just play it. Play it as well as you can, but don't listen to other people's bullshit. That was one thing that's annoying to me. But that's in any game, people yelling at you. The other thing I've been playing this week a little bit is Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. You saw a little bit of that. Um, it's funny. It's fun. Really funny. I mean, with this one, they've really played with the movies, like, a lot. Like, they've changed the way the movies are. There's, like, a funny... Uh, there's a fight with the Emperor at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi in, in the game. Because they do start at the end of Return of the Jedi. It doesn't just start with The Force Awakens. And there's like a battle with the Emperor. Uh, where, where, spoilers. When Darth Vader dies at the end of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> ah! You ruined it. And he pulls his helmet off. 
in the Lego game, they pull his helmet off and it's the wrong guy underneath the helmet. And then they change the Lego head to the actual old. I thought things like that were really funny. It just makes it really fun to play because you never, you don't know what to expect. It's just a Lego game. You build stuff. You um, shoot things. You're in The Force Awakens. Kylo Ren throws a tantrum and smashes all the Lego blocks up. It's just really funny. It's out on the PC and all the consoles. So that is it. What's for dinner, Sid Talk? Tonight is some gluten-free pasta. I did do a little test this week, and for two days I didn't eat bread. I had some onion rings one day, which meant that they did have some breading on them. But I ate, like, just some potatoes, and I know everybody has their own theories on carbs and starch and all that shit. But I actually just didn't eat the bread for two days, and I felt better. Like, my hands weren't swollen, and my jaw, my neck wasn't swollen, and my feet weren't swollen. I didn't feel all stiff. And then the next day, I did eat pizza. And then, of course, that's the bread. And then by the end of that day, I had Jimmy John's again. And then the next day, I had Jimmy John's. And it all came back. This real, this feeling of, like, like maybe, someone's Maybe you're gluten intolerant. I don't think it's gluten necessarily, because I can't eat things. So I don't know what it is, but I'm going to try again for a few days not to eat just straight up bread. And then, like, I got the gluten-free pasta. But you know what? I don't even get it because it's gluten-free. We've just both realized it's Fine. good. I mean, yeah. it's really good. I like the texture. We, I found, I went through a few brands until we found one that actually tastes really good. Yeah, some then, of them really tasted of nothing. Yeah, they were or just, they crumble and they're yeah, weird. Real yeah, real weird. Yeah. So I made some homemade sauce with just some cherry tomatoes and a little bit of like seasonings and some vegetable broth. I'm gonna toss that all together. I think that that sounds really yummy. Maybe. Some of the vegetables, if I can dig some out. We've been eating takeaway for so long. <laughs> I don't have a lot of supplies, but... So I'm going to try... Oh, we have salad. Ooh. Salad, pepper, cucumber, lettuce. Stir Ruff. that into the pasta. No. No, it's not cold. <laughs> Gross. Uh, and then my advice is... I don't know. I have advice, I guess, to people like you. How about don't be a Nazi? You. Uh, that's your advice. I mean... Not to give me a lot of things, actually. So be I don't disagree with that. <laughs> That'd be a supremacist of any <laughs> kind. Um, but when someone says to you, I don't know how to make this into advice, but just let me see. The way my mind works doesn't seem to fit well with everybody else. And it really makes me fucking annoyed. Because if I don't understand something, you, someone I love very much, turning around and giving me just, well, this is what I have read and this is what I think... Because I have read it and that's the explanation, does not convince me. It doesn't, uh, I don't flip a switch and go, oh, well, you've explained it, now I get it. No, it doesn't work that way. If I do not understand something, I'm not going to understand it until I understand it. That's not a negative. It's not saying anything negative about your point of view. It isn't, I don't understand this and you're stupid. It's, I don't understand this. I do not understand this point of view. That is not an opinion, by the way. It is actually just what it is. And I'm sure there are other people like me, and it's extremely frustrating. I there do are no, not. There are no other people. Like there me. are other people like me. It no. isn't. There are people who, and you're kind of one of them. You're a thinker too. I understand that, but you also will a lot, take a lot of things face value. If someone just tells you a thing, and that's how it is. You'll kind of give it some thought, if it's superficial, not like deep, dark stuff. But I mean, you'll just sort of, okay, okay. And I don't I don't have it in me. Like, I try, I try to just take these stupid explanations. 
that 500 people are going to just vomit out at you because that's what they read and that's what they were told. And I'm like, okay, okay, let me process this. Maybe I'm the one. Maybe I'm resisting. Maybe I'm like, or maybe I'm not smart enough to understand what they're talking about because that explanation makes no sense to me. It doesn't explain anything. It doesn't have any logic behind it. It doesn't have all of these points that would lead me to then go, okay, now I get it. It's simply like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's what it sounds like to me. And it's very frustrating and I've always had it. I've been told since I was a child. And anyone who would say this to me, because that's how it is. It is what it is. That's just the way it is. Or you just have to do what I say because I say it. it. Just, there was, there was no accepting that in my brain. Not even a little bit. No teacher, no parent, no grandparent, no aunt, no uncle, no leader, no authority figure of any kind could convince me of anything unless I fully understood it. So I'm just, I guess my advice All is right. if you're like me, like, if you feel like you have to go down a certain amount of vetting information for yourself until you can accept a thing, but the world seems to want to just push you into an explanation and just have you shut up and just go along with what we tell you, and it makes you really frustrated, I understand what we were going to say. How is this advice? But you just answered that. Right. All right. So, very, so that's not advice, but you are not alone. My advice is to listen to this podcast <laughs> and to... Uh, if we tell you the movie is good, it is good, and therefore you should watch it. Yes, and to um, go to aschoolie.com and sidto.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play. Go on Android and just click on the Google Play, and you can listen to it in the Google Play app. Or you can go to the iTunes Music Store if you're one of those Apple people. Obviously, we're not. You can also catch this podcast on the RSS feed aschoolie.com slash podcast you can listen to it on the page you can subscribe to it with anything there's always an easy way to listen to this show you can email aschoolie at don't email SidTalk and finally I want to say stay classy Mr. Anton Yelchin not with us anymore but not forgotten and I'm going to say think for yourselves or someone's doing it for you